بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد نسلی اللہ رسول کریم اما بعد الحمد للہ از دا ٹینتھ آف جون ان دا ایئر ٹو تھاؤزینڈ اینڈ ٹوینٹی تھری اینڈ الحمد للہ وی موڈ آن ٹو دا فورٹی ایٹ نائٹ دیٹ of the exalted companion, Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu. And I've started the subsection in which we're now taking a glimpse into his eminent rank as a scholar amongst the noble companions. Indeed, there are scores of reports on how intimate he was with our beloved Messenger when acquiring the sacred knowledge. Take for instance the following few examples. In Sayyih Bukhari and Sayyih Muslim, Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, he said, Radiyallahu, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he taught me the tashahud with my palm between his blessed palms, just like the way he sallallahu alayhi wa sallam taught me the surahs of the Qur'an. So in this flawless report in Bukhari and Muslim, he was taught the tashahud. And that is, of course, the recital in the final city of the prayer. And he said, I was taught this with my palm between his palms. He was holding my hand, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Just like the way he taught me the surahs of the Qur'an. Thus, as already mentioned, when Abdullah ibn Mas'ud had learned those 70 blessed surah directly from our beloved messenger, his palm was between the blessed palms of Rasulullah. So you instantly see the intimacy. He wasn't just teaching. The Prophet wasn't just teaching Ibn Mas'ud. He was holding his hand in love and affection. And when you hold a person's hand, it's out of love and affection. So, Ibn Masood's one hand and the Prophet's both hands were holding his. So now there's an important note here. It is worth mentioning here that Imam Bukhari, rahmatullahi, he related this hadith in the chapter concerning Musafaha in order to establish that Musafaha should be done with both hands. Indeed, a few lines beneath this chapter Imam Bukhari has another chapter entitled Greeting with Two Hands. In this chapter, Imam Bukhari recorded the practice of Abdullah ibn Mubarak rahmatullahi who used both hands when making musafah. Alama Abdul Hay rahmatullahi also wrote in his Majmu Fatawa that all of the jurists, rahimahumullah, declared as sunnah to use both hands when performing Musafah. So this is another thing which is important. So how do you give the salam? So obviously you verbally say, but then you shake hands. The sunnah is to use both your hands. So some people, they put one hand out. And then you, you might use both your hands. But the sunnah is both of you use both your hands. And Imam Bukhari uses this hadith of Ibn Masood as an indicator towards this. And then he mentions the great Ibn al-Mubarak would do this, who's a senior tabi. And it's mentioned that all the jurists declare this a sunnah. So why am I mentioning this? Because some 
stayed otherwise because one hand. So you give one hand salam. And the response to that is you would not quote it correctly. The sunnah has to be imbibed as the Prophet taught it. So even though the report is talking about Ibn Mas'ud, his intimacy with the Prophet, the scholars extract some rulings from this as well. In another report indicating their intimacy, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, he relates, this is in Tabarani and Kanzul Umar. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam once said to me, Ya ibn Mas'ud, there are some signs and marks of the day of judgment, memorize them. One sign is that children will be filled with rage and the rain shall burn. The wicked people will prevail everywhere like a flood. Ya Ibn Mas'ud, it is a sign of the hour that relationships will be developed with strangers, would severed with your family. The arches of masjids would be decorated, but the hearts would be desolate. Ya Ibn Mas'ud, it is a sign of the hour that a man will go to a man and a woman for a woman for sexual enjoyment. Ya Ibn Mas'ud, it is a sign of the hour that masjids will be given names and the pulpits will be raised high. Ya Ibn Mas'ud, a sign of the hour is that songs and musics will become common along with taking intoxicants. Ya Ibn Mas'ud, the number of illegitimate children will increase. So let's look at this. So first, where is it recorded? It's recorded in Tabrani and Kanzul Omal. It has a weakness in the chain of transmission. But what lesson can we take from it? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa is informing Ibn Mas'ud about some of the signs of the hour. And what's interesting, when we go through the signs, we're living through it. They weren't living through it. So each one to them was strange. So looking briefly at some of the signs, children will be filled with rage. Why? And this is in response to the fact of the family breakdown. So they don't know who their father is or their father's left. So the people taunt the, them for not knowing who the father is. And they have a void in terms of love and parental guidance. So then what happens? They join gangs to get to fill that gap. And when they join the gangs, the rage comes out. So the scholars point out this is the rage of the children. Then he said, rain shall burn, acidic rain. The Prophet mentioned acidic rain before, well before the industrial revolution. Then he said, wicked people will be prevailing all over like a flood, which we're witnessing. Relationships will be developed with strangers, severed with family. And in the social media world, this is, you know, is glaring. How many likes people, you know, follow and yet they don't even know who they, they're not even in contact with their own uncles and aunts. Arches of masjids will be decorated. Hearts will be desolate. There's a hadith. The hadith is in Ibn Majah. The Prophet said that when a people's deeds become corrupt, they will beautify their masjids. So this is an obsession now about the masjids, the beautifying the exterior. Why? Because the Prophet goes, your deeds are corrupt. So the Prophet mentioned arches here. 
because halls will be desolate, meaning the thing that needs to be beautified is being left. Men will go to men, women will go to women, which is common now. So, you know, sexual enjoyment. Masjid will be given names. Every masjid has a name. And this it doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing, but that's a sign of the hour. Pulpits will be raised high. Rasulullah's pulpit was a few steps. Some of the pulpits now, you need uh, maybe an elevator to get to the top. How many steps have you got? Where is he going? Songs, music will be common. Taking drugs will be common. And illegitimate children will increase. So we're living through it. Ibn Masood was told to memorize this. Consider also the following most informative report on the authority of Ibn Masood himself. I once entered upon Hudayfa and I humbly asked, please advise me. Hudayfa said, has not certainty come to you? I said, yes, by the grace and mercy of my Lord. Stop in the report. So he's very humbly asking some of the other senior Sahaba for advice. And Hudayfa, he asked a very strange question. He goes, haven't you got Yaqeen? Yaqeen means, you know, haven't you seen with your eyes? And Ibn Masood humbly said, yes, because I've got Yaqeen. Then Hudayfa radiyallahu said, verily true misguidance is to approve today that which you used to disapprove of yesterday. And to disprove that which you used to approve of yesterday. Beware of being multicolored. I too faced behaving differently depending upon those who are around you. For indeed the religion of Allah is one religion. Or Ibn Masood. So this is recorded in Behaki in his Sunan Al-Kubra. Ali ibn al-Ja'ad in his Muslim number 3083 with a sahih chain of transmission. So when Ibn Masood said, I have yaqeen. Now yaqeen is a very high maqam. Yaqeen means that seeing and not seeing really doesn't make any difference now. So if I was to say to you that if you see Jibreel alayhi salatu wasalam, will that affect your iman? Most of us say, of course it affect our iman. Which person would say, well, not really. That's a person of yaqeen. So Hudayfa basically was saying to him, you're asking me for advice and you've got yaqeen. But then he gave him advice. What was Hudayfa's speciality? Hypocrisy. So he said, misguidance. This is a sign of a misguided person. He approves today, which you used to disprove of yesterday and to disprove today what you approved of yesterday. Meaning he's going with the wind. So examples, you'll see a person praying and his prayer changes every every couple of months. So sometimes he's doing Rafayat then, then he stops, then his hands go to the waist, then he goes on his chest, then he comes out of Ruku and he puts his hands back on his chest and you're thinking, what is this guy doing? And then he's just changing all the time. So Ibn Hudayfa goes, this is misguidance. Then he said, beware of being multicolored for indeed the religion of Allah is one religion. So simply put, Hudayfa was instructing him to be firm in his judgments, not to fear anybody except the Almighty and Glorious, which he certainly lived up to. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward him with the most choicest of rewards. Ameen. 
So Hudayfa gave him beautiful advice and Ibn Masood imbibed that advice. So now, related to his knowledge, entitled, His Immense Knowledge of the Holy Quran. <coughs> so let us take a glimpse into his own parallel knowledge of the glorious book of Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So like I mentioned, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud himself said, radiyallahu, فَأَخَذْتُ مِنْ فِيهِ سَبْعِينَ سُولَةً And I have learned 70 surahs from his lips. This is in Ahmad in his Musnad, number 3599, with a Hassan chain of transmission. So 70 surahs he learned directly from Rasulullah. How? With his hand between his palms. So he was teaching him with love and affection. In another wording, he said, وَلَا يُنَازِعُنِي فِيهَا أَحَدًا And no one else was with me when I learned them. This is in Ahmad in his Musnad, number 4,330, 4,372, with a Hassan chain of transmission. So now, why is that important to highlight? Is it not a well-known fact that the best tutelage is where the student has a one-to-one with their teacher? People pay for that. So why do they have private tuition? You ask the people, you know, the professionals, why are you giving your child private tuition? That's the best way to teach, one-to-one. They pay for it. The child will go leaps and bounds ahead of its, you know, of his uh, of his peers. Who had a one-to-one with Rasulullah? Not on one occasion, not on two occasions, countless occasions. Ibn Masood said, no one else was with me when I learned those 70 surahs, meaning I was honored above others. Confirming further, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud said, I have learned 70 surahs from the lips of Rasulullah. When Zayd ibn Thabit was still a boy with braided hair, learning to read and write. This is in Sayyid Bukhari, number 5000. Sayyid Muslim, number 2462. Ahmed in his Musnad, number 3846. So this needs to be explained. So he mentioned, like he mentioned again and again, I've learned several students from the lips of the Prophet. Why then did he talk about Zayd? When verily Zayd ibn Thabit was still a boy with braided hair, learning to read and write. There is a reason why he mentioned Sayyidina Zayd ibn Thabit in this narration, which I will mention at the relevant time. But I'll just mention this. The 70 surahs he learned, they must have been maqn. Because Zayd is still a child. That means that he's, the Prophet hasn't migrated. Zayd doesn't even know what Islam is at the moment. Why is he mentioning he was still a child with tresses of hair? Because later on, who was given the role to gather the Quran? Zayd ibn Thabit. Was Ibn Masood given the role? No. So he was hurt. And what did he say? You know, this is again the eloquence. Even when they get angry, even in their anger, there's eloquence. He goes, I've learned 70 surahs directly from the lips of the Prophet. And Zayd was still a boy with braided hair. He was learning how to read and write. But what was he really saying? Because why was he given this task? 
Surely I was more deserving, but we'll get to that. Sheikh Abdul Jalil Sahib in his Niqad al-Durari, volume 5, page 483 of the English translation, a commentary of Tajdeed al-Bukhari by Hafiz Zubaydi al-Yamani, died 1488, Christian era, he elucidated. He learned 70 surahs directly from Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and the other 44 surahs from the other companions. Subhanallah. He learned 70 surahs directly from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He learned the other 44 surahs from the other companions. So, obvious question, where did he learn the other 44? The other sahab, everyone is trustworthy. But he got most of it directly from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. A man from Hamdan, one of the students of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, he relates that his venerable teacher had informed him. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam used to review the Qur'an every Ramadan. And I reviewed it with him twice in the year in which he passed away. And he told me that it, my recital, was excellent. I learned from the lips of Rasulullah 70 surahs. This is in Ahmed in his Musnad, number 3845. It is, has a weakness due to the man from Hamadan being unknown. So let's look at the authenticity first. The report says, a man from Hamdan, one of the students of Ibn Mas'ud. So even though the report says this is a student, this is a student of Ibn Mas'ud who's relating from the Prophet, uh, from Ibn Mas'ud, because his name is not mentioned, the hadith becomes weak. So how strict are the hadith scholars? It's not a case like what his student, student, well, obviously he must, where did he get it from? This is a direct student from Hamdan. <coughs> Imam Ahmad said, Daif. <laughs> Whatever the case, we understand where the weakness lies. It's a very slight weakness. What does Ibn Masood say? He goes, Rasulullah used to review the Quran every Ramadan. So question, who would review the Quran with Rasulullah every Ramadan? Jibreel. 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 We all know it's famous. What then did he say? I reviewed it with him twice in the year he passed away. <laughs> so when Rasulullah, the last year of his holy life, in Bukhari Sharif, he went through it twice. Mentions that. He then did that with Ibn Masood twice. So basically he told Ibn Masood, either I'm going to recite all to you, or you recite it all to me. Twice. Then he said, your recital is excellent. So the Prophet praised him. For anba'ani anni muhsin, he informed me my recital is excellent. Then he said, I learned 70 surahs direct from the Prophet. So subhanallah, just as Jibreel famously would review the entire Quran in Ramadan with our beloved Messenger, and then twice in the final year of his exalted life. The same was also the case for the noble Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. Allahu Akbar. Now think about that. Does any other Sahaba have that honor? There's no reports. So why is Ibn Mas'ud being given this special preference? Because he's a special student of the Prophet and his connection to the Quran was second to none, according to some of the Imams. Abdullah ibn Amr ibn al-As, what did he say? I shall forever love this man 
For I have heard Rasulullah say, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, take the Quran from four. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, Salim, Mu'ad, and Obey ibn Qa'ab. Radiyallahu ta'ala. This is in Sayyid Bukhari, number 4,999. Sayyid Muslim, number 6,338, in the chapter on the virtues of the companions. Tirmidhi, number 3,812, Mishkat. So what did this great companion, the son of Amr, Abdullah ibn Amr ibn al-As, say? I will always love this man. Who is he referring to? Ibn Mas'ud. Why? Because I've heard the Prophet say, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, take the Quran from four. Who did he mention first? <laughs> Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. So is the order revelation? Yes. yes. <laughs> Normally it's not. You, know, you think, okay. But when the Prophet speaks, it's revelation. So Ibn Amr said, I will never, I will always love him. Because he was the first the Prophet always mentioned when he came to the Quran. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. In another report, Abdullah ibn Amr said, Radiyallahumma, فَذَاكَ رَجُلًا لَا أَزَالُ أُحِبُّ مُنْذُ رَعِيْتُ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَمْ بَدَعَبِ That is a man who I still love since I saw Rasulullah start with him. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This is in Ahmad in his Musnad, number 6786, with a sahih piano transmission. So he explained. In Bukhari and Muslim, he doesn't explain. He goes, I will always love this man. And he mentioned the hadith. Why did he say that? In Ahmad Sahih, he goes, I saw Rasulullah start with him. That's why I have great love and affection for him. He goes, the Prophet wouldn't mention somebody first unless he had a higher rank. Just like Abu Bakr was always mentioned first by the Prophet Clarifying further. In Sahih Bukhari, number 3806, Sayyid Muslim number 6,334-5 in the chapter on the virtues of the companions. Ahmad in his Musnad number 6,795. Sayyid Masruk, his famous student, Rahmatullah said, We used to come to Abdullah ibn Amr ibn al-As and talk to him. One day we mentioned Abdullah ibn Mas'ud and he responded, You have mentioned a man who I still love after I heard Rasulullah say, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Learn the Quran from four, from Ibn Umi Abd, and he started with him. Mu'ad ibn Jabal, Obey ibn Qa'ab, and Salim, the freed servant of Abu Hudayfa. So in Sayyid Bukhari, the same thing is mentioned. He says, I will always love him because the Prophet started with him. So to finish, Imam Nawawi, what did he say? Imam Nawawi in Sharh Sayyid Muslim 16-18, he said, the scholars mention the reason Rasulullah mentioned these four was that they were the ones who had the most precision with regards to its words and recited it the best. Even if some others had more knowledge regarding their meanings than they did. Also, these four spent their entire life learning it from Rasulullah. Directly from his blessed mouth, whilst others sufficed with learning it from one another. Another possible reason is that Rasulullah wanted to inform of what would happen after his passing, and that those four would move up in their ranks and abilities, and that they are better in that than others. Thus, the Quran should be learned from them. This is in Sharh Sayyid Muslim 16 18. So, this is important. A person queries this. He says, hang on, one minute. I accept the hadith. We have to accept it. It's in Bukhari and Muslim. 
Who are the four? Who are the four we are supposed to learn the Quran from? Because Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, Salim, Mu'ad, and Ubay ibn Kaab. I accept that. Where's the Khilafah Rashidim? <laughs> so the person then goes, I never thought that. Well, there you go in it. So Imam Nawawi, this is why the scholars are there. He goes, this needs to be explained. The first thing he highlighted, and it's not his own opinion, he goes, the scholars. They were the ones who had the most precision with regards to the words. They recited it best. Who had the best recital? Ibn Masood, Salim, Ubay Ibn Qab, and Mu'ad. Then they have the best recitals as compared to other companions. Yes, they did. Secondly, even though others had more knowledge of their meanings, then he said, Imam Nawi, these four spent their entire life learning it directly from Rasulullah. Others took most of it from other Sahaba. It's a huge difference. So yes, there's a Hafiz amongst the Sahaba. Where did he learn the Quran from? He learned it from Abu Bakr. Is he like Ibn Masood? No, he learned it from the Prophet. That's another reason. Thirdly, Rasulullah wanted to talk about those who would live after him. All these four lived after him. He didn't mention anybody who's going to pass away before him. As if he was saying, these will learn even more. Their knowledge will deepen as time passes as well. And then he says, that's why the Prophet goes learn from them. It's a sign of the movement. You know, we just met a Hadith. I'm going to meet brother. Where's Khilaf al You got me there. You stopped me there, brother. Is it weak? In Bukhari, you Muslim, brother. Is it weak? Hafiz Kastalani said in Irshad al-Sari, volume 6, page 138, the Holy Prophet mentioned them specifically by name so that people keep them in mind first when acquiring the glorious Quran. That's why he mentioned their names because when you want to learn the Quran and you have the opportunity, these are your first port of call. Like they say in English, your first port of call should be here. So who is your first port of call? Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, he was always mentioned first. Then, of course, the other three great companions. And just to add this one, in Fat al-Bari, volume 7, page 119, Hafiz ibn Hajar said, This does not mean that the other companions did not have the knowledge of proper recitation, etc. Indeed, the others are not excluded from the acquisition of the glorious Quran. However, these four are mentioned owing to their outstanding qualities in this regard. So what Ibn Hajar al-Skalani said in Fat al-Bari, volume 7, page 119 is, don't belittle the other sahaba. You can acquire knowledge from them, from the Quran as well. But these were, they had excelled. Allah Ta'ala gave them an edge over others. And notice in the Ahlul Sunnah, the honors are shared by the companions of the Prophet. We don't put all of the honors on one sahaba. Ali is everything. Notice it's shared. When it comes to the Quran, the Khilaf al-Rashid is not even mentioned. So again, why? Because they were all chosen students of Rasulullah. So all I mentioned today was, again, an uh, a look into his intimacy with the Prophet, how he acquired the sacred knowledge from him, and also other companions. <clears throat> and then I've started the subsection in which we're now taking a glimpse into his immense knowledge of the glorious Quran. Are there any questions you'll ask? So 